This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Carm Capriato, Town Hall Academy. Yeah, we do this webinar each and every Friday. So glad to have been bringing it to the industry for 312 weeks. We've got a great episode, Service Advisor Overload, and it's part two. It was back in episode 305, Town Hall 305, which was in early December. I had this panel on, and we had it was great. It's a classic, guys, because it, it so drives the importance of the service advisor and the pressure that we seem to put on them and how when you take a granular view of the duties that they do and how we can change, shape, refine, add support to it, the company has another, if you will, slice of the pie to groove and grow on, be it gross margin dollars and, and better sales, better relationships. So when I was all done with that episode, I said, and I'm looking at all the talking points, I said, we didn't cover half of them. So let's come back together. So we're just a little over a month away, bringing back everyone to do this. We thank you so much for being here. i uh, got great sponsors that bring you the Town Hall Academy each and every week. Now, some days you wish you had a traffic cop in your shop to keep order. Well, Shopware installed red and green lights inside its workflow page to show you when parts have arrived so you can go with a repair as soon as they're here. Brilliant. Great idea. Get shopware.com and trust in the aftermarket supplier that makes the parts that cars are born with. With over 100 years of OE heritage, Delphi Technologies Quality Parts gives you peace of mind. Learn more with my friends at DelphiAftermarket.com. Murray was going to be late, but Murray, thank you for being here. It's great. Murray Voth, RPM Trading, coaching consultant. Good to have you here. I just couldn't let a client down. I, I had to make a commitment, <laughs> so we had to finish that session, so it's all good. You know, last in, first introduced. I love this. This is good. Dave Shadeen is with us, CompuTrek Automotive Management Systems coach and consultant. Hey, Dave. Hey, great to be here. And uh, I love this panel and what we covered in December and love the extension of that. Murray, you know, just your your backdrop there. You could have a new slogan for your business. When you hit a brick wall, I'm your guy. <laughs> <laughs> brick wall coaching. <laughs> wow. <laughs> boom, boom. Hit hit that brick wall. I'll either Murray. get you through it or I'll get you over it, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> this is going to be a whole show of puns, I'm sure, or, or some jokes. Good, good, good. Hey, Clint White's with us, uh, coaching with integrity, service advisor coach. Hey, Clint. Hey, Carm. Dave Murray. Glad to be here, guys. Hey, guys. So let's jump in this thing. We ran out of time the last time, as I was saying, and one of a couple of the big points that came out of, I'm trying to entice everyone to appreciate where we're going. Shops miss 300K to 500K of gross margin, and we, we talked a little bit about that, and I know we'll cover more of that today. And one of the things that I was fascinated with the last time, which I know we can expand on it, is if you build a wall of support around your service advisor, and, and it could possibly be people, systems, or processes, from a parts person to a receptionist to maybe a call center, an advisor coach. There's so many things that can help with the overload. So, Dave, I want to start out with you. Don't have your advisors do all the work that you should be doing, Mr. Owner, right? It's amazing the roles that they play. And when you expand that into an advisor manager role, and it's funny, I'll go to some shops and I say, okay, so you know, so you're the advisor. So who's the manager? Oh yeah, that'd be me. 
Okay. <laughs> and he's the one advisor with four technicians and his talk about overload is it's huge. As an owner, serve your people up for success, create the environment for that, which means don't make them the gatekeeper for your phone calls. You know, okay, who's calling and kind of let them know who's calling. Say, okay, great. Let me put you on hold or so let me send you to his voicemail. Make it that streamlined, that easy. Let you do the picking going to voicemail and free up their time because advisors typically will get, and this is probably a very low number, seven to 10 calls a day taking, I don't know, sometimes 30 to 60 seconds or a minute or two trying to figure out should they pass this person on or not. And so now you got, say, 10 calls at, you know, one to two minutes. And now you're there's 10 to 20 minutes gone of their day. Mm -hmm. And it was an interruption because now they got to put the phone down. Okay, where was I? And the hundred things I'm doing, I got to become refocused and came to carry the same energy. I was about <clears throat> ready to complete this task. I got to start that energy all up again and go back into it. It's just very frustrating. Same with tech. When you interrupt a tech, it just takes yeah. you know two to three tenths to get back in that same frame of mind. That's so where uh, that comebacks happen right there, guys. Yeah, a great point, Clint, about comebacks. But the gatekeeper thing is what you were talking about, Dave. And I'll tell you, sometimes I'm so frustrated just trying to get guys, yeah, I'd love to be on your show, call me. And they give me the number for the front counter, not their <laughs> cell phone. <laughs> it's like being on the phone with the government, wanting to find out where the next debt relief program is coming from. <laughs> <laughs> well, that brings up an idea of, of technology that's available to us. Uh, I've got clients that have switched, and I, I don't know anything particular about the tech or, or brand, but I think they're going into what's a voice, VoIP phone systems. You know, if you'd like Stuart, uh, press one. If you'd like Dave, press two. Mm-hmm. Clint, press three. Yep. Carm, if you'd like accounting, press that general mailbox or whatever. And so then, and if it gets through to somebody and says, you know, I'm from a Toronto Dominion Bank and I want to give you a better deal on credit card <laughs> rates. Oh, that's great. I'll let me have you hand you over the admin box, uh, admin number. You pass it over there and then, you know, you just put them in that box. Either they leave a message or they don't. Right. And then the other part that is bugging me now, this is Murray. And I don't know if this is best practice. This is me. But I can't stand it when I have one email address for everybody in the shop. Yes. And I'm kind of like, oh, my goodness, how could I service advise if I've got this email? I'm sharing that email with another advisor and I'm sharing that email. It should be Dave at Honest Automotive, Clint at Honest Automotive, Carm at Honest Automotive. Everybody Mm -hmm. has their own inbox and manage it. Like, how can you run a business in today's environment with that kind of emails coming in? Guys, is that an on-purpose black hole that is just designed because we don't want to bother our people with junk? No, I think it's because we never thought forward enough to think that it, it would matter to the customer's experience and that relationship. Bouncing off of Murray's uh, experience with the call system that has a has an entry hole and then it's dispersed to the proper department. I work with shops that have that. And then once I've developed a relationship with uh, you as an advisor between advisor and customer, now you have my direct line, which will also ring to my cell. And now I've got instantaneous access to my client and I can complete that cradle to grave experience right. instead of them going through the guardian of the galaxy and 10 different <laughs> extensions to get to me. It's a very direct connection and that establishes relationship. And one owner was frustrated why he was getting the first calls all the time on this VoIP system. And I said, what number are you? He says, well, one. I says, well, how about you reverse the order and make yourself eight? Yeah. Oh, that would make sense if my advisors are all first. <laughs> Chances are they're going to grab statistically are going to grab more calls, right? I think that some of the shops that have been in that they've had one email for everybody is that it's a scarcity mindset. 
in a high need to control because of fear. I don't know what they're saying. I got to check up on them. And I don't want to go look in four or five different mailboxes. I want to make it easy on me. So based on my laziness, I'm going to make my customers experience confusion. Well, that goes back to the whole control thing. It goes back to control. You'll never grow your business. You'll never have people feel comfortable and trusted in your business if you have all that control. Now, truly, I get it. But I have to tell you, every one of us have gotten into that service at ClintsAutoRepair.com. And I know I'll never, ever get a reply. It's there so that it's a black hole, in my opinion. And there is technology out there too. And, and I don't know that point of sales have it as, as well, but point of sale enhancements, one that I'm familiar with in service intelligence, it keeps a history of every single text and email for that customer. You want to find out, hey, did they email that customer or not? They go right to the customer and it's got the history there. You can't delete it. It's there. And it's a very powerful tool. That's the other part of bringing solution to advisors is are you giving them the tools that streamline their day? Are you forcing them to do things manually when it could be automated? If you're prepping repair orders and you're pulling up every single vehicle history, going through, looking at it, aging the mileage, when there's a system out there, you can click a button, two or three buttons, you got to print a report. It does it for you. If you're forcing your customers to, or your advisors to jump a whole bunch of extra hoops just to get some customer information and put it in your system, you're causing overload for them. Clint, I want to ask you a question. What do you teach your clients as you advise advisors when the phone is ringing off the wall and you're really either on another line or face-to-face with a customer and you're really going over the most critical moment in, in solving that individual client's problem? Do you excuse yourself or will this new technology of going to voicemail, having a VoIP phone system really help? I teach that the most important thing is the thing that's in front of you. And uh, I want to be honored in that when I'm a client somewhere else. I don't want to be ignored. There's some caveats to that or some exceptions. If, if for some reason I have a, a line coming in that I have been waiting for this call and I'm with a client face to face, I say, Mr. Client, would you mind if I place this, this call on hold? And then thank you for choosing Clint's Automotive. I am with a customer. Can I take your name and number or give you a call back? Or can I take your name and number? Would you like to hold for five or 10 minutes? I would just be honest with the customer. I'm mm-hmm. not going to say hold for a second. But general rule of thumb, Carm, yeah, well, to answer your question, is uh, the bird in the hand, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Same thoughts exactly. You know, I'm dealing with a customer has got a, you know, $2,000, $3,000 repair order, and I'm in the midst of forward momentum of trust building and value building with that yes. customer. And the phone will ring. And I've had, I've had my customers at Dave's Auto Repair say, Dave, do you got to get that? And I go, no, right now you're the most important person to me. And there's a certain amount of faith you have to have in your business ability. If you were to do business with that person, they'll leave a message and you will do business with them. If, yes. If they didn't leave a message because they didn't want, you know, there's a new customer calling in. Guess what? They weren't your customer. It's okay. Don't yeah. worry about it. What's supposed to come to you will come to you. If you build your business correctly with the right intentionality level and build the right atmosphere and environment in your business, it will attract phone calls. Besides the marketing you put out there, it'll attract the right people. That what you put out, you get back. And if you put out negativity, um, bottom feeder customers that force your advisors to work harder than ever. In fact, I'll go there. So one thing, because it's a good segue. Um, I, I know there's a shop I was recently talking to and I really challenged him. And their language and motto is 
we're just like the dealer, but we're 40% less. Oh my goodness. And, and what he hates is price shoppers. But what he told his customers to do, please price shop me so you can know. And the very thing he hates is what he put out there. And he also uh-huh. said, hey, we're great, we're quality. Why, we're just like those guys. And so what he's doing is say, okay, so really where you want to go is over there. But yeah. you should stay here. Is this a client? We have a long way to go before he would <laughs> want to move forward with value coaching. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Okay, so you were really trying to figure it all out. And once you did your, your preliminary interview, you discovered that uh, he had some issues. Okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, and this is the proverbial back in my day, we used to go the 995 oil change. Good you know, boy. in fact, the very, sh- very first shop I coached way back in 2006, there's this young man. He's 24 years old. And he's in the old Honda building in, in Linwood, Washington. So he's got like 12 bays and himself and another tech. And they're drowning in with a car, with a parking lot full of cars. Mm-hmm. And like, like we get in, he put out <laughs> 80,995 oil changes in a 30 day period in his community. He had technicians bringing their cars. Here, change my oil. <laughs> they couldn't do it for nine ninety five. And just and so what happens is is and while the owner was the advisor at the time, our marketing can make or break our advisor. If you think about it, who are your true marketeers in your business? Is it your website? Is it your flyers? Is it your postcards? Is it your CRM? Who's your true marketeers? It's your advisors. And problem is, is that too many times the owner is having the advisor be in charge of the tangible marketing pieces going out. Hey, go create a coupon ad for this. Go create this. Go create that. Because an owner doesn't have creativity. And it seems like, well, my advisor's got some sales skills. Therefore, he kind of knows what he should want to have as a coupon or whatever. And you you haven't given him any, you've given him coupon training from a scarcity mindset versus giving him an incentive possibility with a customer that creates GP dollar sustainable cash flow. I have a couple of ideas that come to mind as well in terms of technology and changes and and consumer expectations. Lots of research in North America is showing uh, people enjoy the contactless service. So Mm -hmm. number one, does your website have a button on the top right of a screen on a desktop and at the top on your phone that says make an appointment request? I think Miami have brought this up last time. I don't remember. So then appointment request is name, you know, vehicle information comes in. You're not accessing the software. You're not putting yourself into the shop schedule. Advisor responds and says, sure, I've got a spot here for you at this time. What are your concerns? Whatever. Because here's what busy people don't want to do. They don't want to call a shop and be put on hold. They would rather like be on Zoom like I am now. They would rather click on a button, make an appointment, have an email come in. After I'm done this meeting, I would check the email. Oh, yeah, that shop's got a spot for me. I confirm it, go back to my work, and then I drop it off after hours, put the key into the drop box, get picked up by an Uber or my, my spouse or something. We deal all day on text and email, and then come back and pick it up after hours in a lockbox with my key. Apparently, at least in Canada, 36% of people would like that experience. And then the ability to pay via text, right? So that's piece one. Piece two is how many times do people call in throughout the day saying, how's it going with my car? I've got a bunch of people that have taught me, which I now pass on to other people, that they have either a every two hours roughly, or they have a 10 and two policy where they check in with everybody and update them. Now, some people are using text technology for that. They're not using the phone call. Mm -hmm. And letting people know the progress. Your car has just been brought into the shop. We'll be reporting back to you here, whatever. 
your car is completed, but I don't have my full report back from the technician. Full transparency about the process, right? That re- that reduces the incoming phone calls significantly of people wondering what's going on with their car. Thirdly, pre-book all your doggone tire yeah. changeovers. It stops half the phone calls in spring and winter. If it's all done during the quiet time, you got them all penciled in, then you need a few reminders and away you go. You can actually reduce your phone traffic by half with those three things I just rattled off. This whole pre-booking thing has got to be a, a pressure remover from the counter. It doesn't matter what it is, if it's due service or if we absolutely know, hey, we found you have a front end issue. Come on in. Let's do the shock, struts, tie rod, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll call you. No, 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 no. Let's get it on the appointment. Are we doing the dentist thing enough? I don't think we are. In fact, I do a class called Sustainable Sustainable Cashflow 101. And the number one thing that cuts off cash flow is the not booking the next appointment. It really is. What I do today should be a direct derivative of what I did a week ago, two weeks ago, or three, four, five months ago based on that person's preventative maintenance driving habits. And yep. so I should already know my workload today versus opening the door and go, oh boy, I hope sure hope there's enough today. When your intentionality, and this is just a Dave perspective, the most important time with your customer is the active delivery time. You've sold the value over the phone and a text and pictures and the rest that you sold at a level one where they authorized it. You sold enough value for them to authorize it, but to sell the real value of it is actually done in what's called active delivery, where you go down the list and you say, well, so Mr. Jones, your check engine light, these are all the things we did for the diagnostic. Okay, and these are all the things we did to replace the EGR valve and the mass airflow sensor. And these are all the things we did in the clearing of the codes and decarboning it. And these are all the things we did. And these are all the things we did. And these are all the things we did. That phrase alone will do two things for your shop. It will create your customer go, wow, you guys sure do a lot. I got a great value. You were doing it before. You just weren't regurgitating it out of your mouth. So now you say, these are all the things we do. These are all the things we do. And guess what? Your word of mouth will elevate with that because when somebody hey, I need a repair shop. Oh man, you got to go to, you got to go to Dave's. He gives such a great value. These guys are great. Well, I thought they were expensive. Oh no, these guys, your car doesn't break down when you take it there anymore. It's just a great value. And I did this in my shop. The painstakingly cost me. I took out my language in my act of delivery on purpose to see the impact. For two weeks, I took out, these are all the things we did. These are all the things we did. These are all the things we did. Or some format of that. Within two weeks, my word of mouth marketing dropped. I went, okay, let's try this again. So I put it back in. And now, uh, and in, within two weeks, my word of mouth marketing starts climbing back up. It's just amazing. I said, okay, maybe that was a fluke. Let me try it one more time. So twice it cost me like 10 grand <laughs> to do this. <laughs> so so it went back down because you new customers, when they come in the door, they spend an hour to an hour and a half more than any other new customer that comes in your door. They're a warm referral. So when the act of delivery and the reason I'll full circle to overload an advisor, at the end of the day, and, and I'm cautious with the contactless methodology because we lose a value point with that customer of spending time to sell the value of that. And so at the end of the day, oh, yeah, okay, so you'll be here in a day. Yeah, great. OK, well, we close at five, we close at 530, we close at six. Guess what happens? You got three, five, six people all coming in at 530 with one to two advisors, and you're now a puppy mill of regurgitating credit card processing out the door. We don't have time to book the next appointment, even though your system should have done it before you printed that final invoice. There's so much that we haven't systemized to automate and take that pressure off of the advisor. 
I'd like to jump on that bandwagon, Dave, and just add a different layer or another layer. What you're doing is fantastic. I teach a process. It's called a prioritized maintenance plan that fits your budget and keeps your vehicle safe and reliable in the most affordable way possible. Mm -hmm. That's a really long title, but that's exactly what we're pointing towards. So when you come into cash out and we have that active delivery process where we're going through and telling the customer, advising the customer what was done, then we point towards the things that were either deferred today, needed today, but deferred or up and coming. We're going to say, Mr. Customer, in order to keep you on track for your mileage goal to 300,000 miles, would you happen to have the financial resources to take care of the thing that was needed today and say no more than two to three weeks? I'd like to pre-schedule that, have the parts here and have it in and out the same day. And we do that with all deferred processes or all deferred repairs and maintenance. And then we also point towards you'll be due for this at either the next service or you'll be due for this in the next six months. Would it be okay if I went ahead and put it on the schedule for you again, pre-ordered parts and made it seamless, painless and quick for you? That's a huge win in our industry. Remember, we're advisors. We are the ones that help our, our customers navigate this experience. Look at it from your customer standpoint. Getting your car repaired sucks. Mm-hmm. Can I say that? Or these are kids in the room. Is that okay? It's not great. It's our job to act like a, a Sherpa. This is the analogy I use. Hopefully everyone knows what a Sherpa is. I speak the language. I can carry the load, the weight. I know the right path, not the wrong one. I'm going to get you to the top of this mountain, the top of automotive repair mountain. I know it's a silly analogy, but it makes sense to me. That's Mm -hmm. our place. And so doing whatever it takes to get them from here to there, these are a lot of great strategies that uh, our, our listeners would do well to implement. Hey, aren't you tired of being tired after a crazy day at the shop? Take the frustration out of your work by speeding up the processes that bog you down. Start a repair order based on a can job. Check. Order parts from a menu. That includes every supplier within seconds. Check. Now send all that information with photos or videos to a customer via a live chat on their phone. What? No, I'm not kidding. Check that box. Get an approval faster than ever so you don't tie up a bay for hours. Check. Hey, it gets even better. Once they see the summary of work they need, next time they ask you to fix one or two more items today. Boom, that bill goes up and you make more. Then, get this, they pay you on their phone before they even pick up their car. This could be your life, my friend. Talk to my friends at GetShopware.com. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles, And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line, and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. 
We did an episode with author John DeJulius. He's a customer service guy. And yeah, there's some people who are shaking their heads. And it was episode 807. We released it, uh, I don't know, it was maybe a month and a half ago. And the title of it was Be the Hero When Your Customer Is At Their Most Vulnerable. You just laid it up, Clint. Now, we know, okay, great, we have to do that. But if the pressure on the service advisor is so enormous that we can't even come up with those critically most important words at the time they're needed to be made because the phone's ringing, this is happening, where are my parts? I guess we have to figure out, okay, how do we do this service advisor overload? How do we afford an assistant? How do we afford a second service advisor? And so, okay, guys, great. I understand it. I get this, but I I can't hire a parts guy. I can't hire an assistant. I can't hire an estimator. And you know what? I still believe if you can figure out what your labor rate needs to be from the bottom up, you can figure out what it takes in revenue or margin to bring on a pair of hands. I do a a labor rate developer tool process where we put in some major expenses related. And you can take, um, let's say you have 2,000 ROs and you're at, say, three hours per repair order. And you want to add a sixty, seventy thousand dollar advisor assistant or a second advisor, which I believe that's advisor should be getting over to that hundred hundred grand or more if they're doing it right. But you can add a support person for sixty to seventy five grand. And what it does in your in your labor rate for that is your labor rate would have to go up if you're at two thousand ROs at three hours for per order. Your labor rate would approximately have to go up by two dollars and thirty cents, and you just paid for that complete person to be there. It's minuscule. There's a thinking that I found that helped me years ago. It's called reduce it to the ridiculous. What used to be a fear because I saw the big $60,000, $70,000 number. When I reduced it to the ridiculous, I said, well, that's totally doable. I can sell a 10-hour job for, you know, another two bucks. Because what is that? 20 bucks more? I mean, that's just, right. you know, that's minuscule. But then there's the other piece that brings in the calculation. And I agree 100%, Dave, with that is there are shops out there who are not at the three hours per hour. They're only at 1.7, right. 1.2. And that poor advisor is just processing customers all day long, right? Get them in, get them out, get them in, get them out. That's kind of my sort of expression for that one. And we've done some math on, depending on where you are, but uh, let's say, for example, you're at that 1.7 and you get yourself a 2.2, that pays for an advisor and yep. puts the net profit, some net profit in the bank. Right. Just you know, by the fact that you can actually slow the process down, talk to people properly, present estimates. Don't just do the one thing the customer brought the car in for. So part of it is done by billable time without even raising the rate. Right. Yep. So it depends on where you are in the number that you're doing. Right. So but you're right. When you're at that three hours, that's minuscule for sure. Murray, I love you as a coach, especially because you're from Canada. So when you're at, when you're at three hours for reparator, you actually have processes. When you're yes. at 1.7, you're amateur assesses. You're not pro yet. The it's problem funny. with the shops is they need to focus on going pro. Be that professional around your professional service advisor. This isn't just somebody who can pick up the phone and answer, hopefully can sell mindset. This is a professional and every advisor on the call, I challenge you to be a better version of yourself how you answer the phone, how you greet the customer, how you listen to the customer. The, uh, the number one skill set, go pro at how you listen, because in that listening, believe it or not, it's another three to 500 grand of new GP dollars. It starts in that listening module. And when you cut off listening, you cut off communication. 
You created a thing called assumptive communication. You think you heard what they said, but you didn't. And now because you think you heard what they said, which is not what they said, it costs you another seven to 10 minutes per customer every day. And if you're closing 10 to 15 customer, processing 10 to 15 customers at 10 minutes of a delay, you just created your own time constraint. And when you don't hear your customers, you're violating the core human element of desire to be heard. When we are not heard, excuse me, <laughs> come again. When we are not heard, we don't feel validated. And when we don't feel validated, we don't build trust. And if we don't build trust, we don't have relationships. And without relationships, again, we don't sell anything. Circle back to the contactless service. There's been some commentary about, uh, you know, the caution around that need for that face-to-face connection with presenting in the closeout. And somebody else talked about that. There was a note going by there. Um, I just wanted to just reiterate that three things on that topic quickly. One is, if you already have a relationship with that person and they're that personality that doesn't need that whole interaction, you're already you're reaching out to that person. Yeah. They don't want a long chat. They just want their done right. and they want to move on. So it's reading the person, number one. Number two, good technology, good phone connection, right? Spending the time with the inspection while the customer's got the inspection on their phone or inspection on their on their desktop and talking about what they see on the screen. So you can do it contactless that. And then a few people did this during COVID. I don't think it's continued although I do have one client who uses this occasionally, is they did Zoom calls. And I know one shop, they start the digital inspection process with the technician on the camera saying hi, introducing themselves, and then they do a verbal walk around of the car talking about it, and then they turn themselves off, and then they do the rest of the inspection without the video connection there. That software, whatever that guy's got, has the capacity of the advisor then doing a video chat with the client over there. So I'm thinking to myself, I understand the objections and or the, the concern that we would have with contact list, but I'm suggesting that we we think about different personalities and different needs, mm-hmm. but we also think about technology availability that can also do that because I've now got a guy who's doing remote service advising for eight shops and he's rocking it. Wow. Wow. Rocking it. People are buying on the internet and he's pointing them to bricks and mortar shops. He's in a cabin on his <clears throat> property in the acreage. <laughs> Sounds appealing. Well, for him, <laughs> right? But he's leveraging stuff that's available out there to people who want to engage on that on that level. Okay. So I'm not saying this is a solution for all the driving public. I'm suggesting that there is some solutions there. And maybe a blend of these might be the tools to bring to us, right? In the way society is. Murray, I think you're 100% correct. And I think that if we go back to the the birthplace of that relationship with the client, where you're filling in the profile, this is our very first interaction, whether face-to-face or or internet or or however it might be, a telephone. We ask that all-important question that results in the PMOC, preferred method of contact. Mm -hmm. Just ask. Mm -hmm. Just Mm -hmm. ask. Mr. Customer, I have the ability to text you, call you, video chat with you, or email you. Smoke signals if you're in Canada. How would you like for me to reach out to you? (laughs) And then we never, ever, ever violate the PMOC ever from that point forward. I want to remind our our audience, we created a classroom page on the RemarkableResultsRadio.biz website, and we have about 21 different, if you will, topics that include all the people that have ever been on the show, and we've taken some great strides to bundle teaching opportunities, podcasts and or town hall academies and videos and audios 
You could sit down with your team and says, hey, let's go over this operational one. And after today, we're going to put up a service advisor button so that you can see this little mini group. So if you want to sit down with your current team, your management team, a future upgrade opportunity for an employee who wants to actually sit and listen to the wisdom that has gone on here for the last seven and a half years, Classroom is it. And also... A while back, we were at ASTE, Chris Clodier, Craig O'Neill came on, and uh, Tracy had this really cool video that came from a dentist appointment she was going to go to. And this lends itself so perfectly to what we do here. If you want to help that individual know what the experience is going to be, what we're going to do, listen, we're going to take these x-rays and do this. Hi, this is uh, this is Clint, your service advisor. I know you're coming tomorrow. Glad to have you here. It's a script that sits in the back. You do a quick selfie. You send it to the customer from the their preferred method of contact. Hopefully it's a text. They get it. They open it up. They know that we have the same as cash. We have extended terms. We have nothing but ASE master technicians. They're coming in. I already know these people. Wow. It's, it's like going to a restaurant you've never been to before and they got your reservations. And now you know what the featured cocktail of the day is because they told you beforehand. And I love those ideas to pass along to our audience. But I can't help but listen to everything that you guys are saying and realize that the service advisor role maybe isn't systematized enough. You hit a nail right on the head. It is so many times we're winged automotive. We don't go after the process flow. This is the DNA of how we do it. We as individuals, we never step out of our DNA, right? We're always flowing on our DNA. Well, our business needs to flow in the same DNA method. This is how we do it. One of the shops that went a client for since 2010 or so, CNH Foreign Auto in Spokane. No matter who's answering the phone, they all answer it the same way. It could be the brand new person. They don't get to answer the phone until they all, and their voice tone sounds almost identical. And it's very up, it's positive and very polite. And they, if they have to put you on hold, they all put you on hold the same way. Everything is the same methodology there. One of the systems that really, I think, is goes under under awareness in a business is what's the system for your onboarding that you actually know you've got a good advisor and or you have a top performer advisor or your current staff. How do you know where their holes are from a place of behavioral? And then can you go coach that? It's easy to say, well, just do this, just do that, just do that. And Mr. Advisor, your day is going to be better. Well, the problem is, is that if how-tos were enough, we'd all be skinny, rich, and happy. People don't do what they're told. And so it, how do we know, like, this advisor is very gifted verbally. So they gave me a great interview. Oh, my gosh, this is the one. And you get there, and they work at a snail's pace. They can't handle the volume. Let's face it. Even if you lighten the load on an advisor, it's still a very strenuous tedious job with a lot of duties and responsibilities, a lot of which shouldn't be on their plate. But even with the normal amount on there, it's a very busy job. And if that person's not wired for a certain amount of pace, a certain amount of assertiveness and how they do decisiveness, we've already thrown them under the bus with it. And then when they don't work out, we go, well, they didn't work out. Have an assessment where you can go measure that. Carmen, we did this show on assessments at one time. And this is it, use assessments to to your advantage to hire the right people, but also to coach your people for better mm-hmm. success. Clint, are we putting enough uh, focus and effort on the service advisor role? We're out there hammering as hard as we can 
on on our SMS, on training for our bays, on social media and marketing. And here we are hearing about some of the holes that exist. And are there enough KPIs? Are we measuring enough? Are we as an owner observing where the holes could be? Service advisor training is huge today. I'm not sure it's as huge as is technician training and maybe doing more shows like this, bringing this awareness gets all of us more profitable shops and great and happy clients. I think that we we don't track at a deep level or a deep enough level the capability of our <clears throat> service. We alluded to that in uh, in the first episode where we've got KPIs for technicians for days, uh, productivity and efficiency and build hours and so on and so forth. Now, I've got KPIs for advisors as well, and they're all related to dollar bills and billable hours and percentages. We've got to go beyond the KPI with these advisors in order to find their strengths and in order to find their weaknesses. There's a a few potentials out there. Again, I don't want to give you all the secrets, but there's a few things out there that you as a shop owner might consider investing in to track KPIs beyond the dollar KPIs. I think it's key to be able to unpack how well a phone call goes. Now, as a service advisor coach and any any advisor coach out there, you've listened to 10 bazillion phone calls in your career and you've got 10 bazillion to go this year. And I can critique at at a level, uh, a human level. But how about artificial intelligence? We happen to have technology again, Murray, in your defense, right? Technology (laughs) is an asset. We have AI that's available. I actually subscribe to a service for myself where every session that I do is is recorded. It's transcribed word for word. It's summarized in two to three paragraphs exactly what was said, the concepts that were said. But that's not all. The tonality of how I spoke is also critiqued. How many good comments, positive comments, negative comments, neutral comments, words per minute and overall theme of the entire conversation. Do that with your phone calls and that becomes a KPI that is something that you can measure, track, gauge, and ultimately improve upon that's not being done right now in our industry. You know, the intangible KPIs, tone of voice, the sense of urgency in their voice. Let's summarize it into soft skills, okay? Because that's something that was never taught in school. And that is something that I think we all, as leaders in this industry, we need to put soft skills on our, on our tactic list for the strategy of our company. It's greeting, it's eye contact. I was talking to a teacher that said, tell me about the soft skills for the young automotive people. And he says, they don't even know how to write a check today. They don't even know how to do a resume. They don't even know how to have an eye greeting, a handshake. They feel comfortable in themselves even to try to find an interview. And all of that, they're not teaching. They are soft skills. Please, thank you. Body language, soft skills, right, Clint? You're probably teaching that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think your greatest asset, again, shop owners, your greatest asset in this to build your advisors is get an accountability coach. Hire somebody who knows how to teach these things. You can take an online course. You can read a book. You can get the general concept on a YouTube video. But what you can't get is that one-on-one training and development and growth, which is very intense and very rapid if it's done right. And I'm not necessarily pitching my wares. I'll pitch everybody's wares. We hire a coach and get them in with your crew weekly, on site. That's how we get this fixed and fast. So, Clint, I got to ask for that software that measures your voice tonality. Does it measure dad jokes as well? or It doesn't have dad jokes. In <laughs> I guarantee you if Dave uses that software, he'll break it. I guarantee you. Break the needle it. off. <laughs> it's funny because one of the soft skills that we did in our 
shop and we didn't have a tick sheet. We did a really good job with it was within 30 seconds, that customer is smiling. Within 60 seconds on a good day, we're making them laugh. At some level, I want them in a better frame of mind versus the stress that they're coming in with. Because it's like I said, I mean, customers don't want to do that. They just don't. You know, who wants to put $1,500 in their car? They don't want that. They want the peace of mind of having that in there. But they don't want to have to come. It's painful. Let's create an environment that makes sense for them. And that's kind of what, Carm, you're talking about, those soft skills. Do Do we have a way... A methodology is somebody gifted to make some to allow somebody to smile. Now I can't make you smile. That's your personal responsible choice. But I can create an environment that makes it easier to smile. And as advisors, when we teach that, create the environment that you want your customers in. Don't create the environment. Hey, by the way, we're like the dealer, but we're forty percent less. <laughs> you know, you've already thrown the advisor under the bus. So a couple of thoughts come to mind with this whole piece. One of that is the book that John DeJulius, and I, I listened to your podcast driving somewhere on a trip before Christmas, and then I bought the book and read it on my Christmas vacation. <clears throat> so that was just amazing. So I'm thinking to myself, is there a piece where where we need to, again, reading and YouTube and all that is not the, the final solution, but I think it's a good starting point. Can we get our people to participate in this kind of stuff so that they know? I get asked over the years, even when I was younger, I would get asked, how, how do you know that? How do you know how to coach? And I kind of hard question to answer. I says, well, it's 30 years of doing and reading and listening. And, and you, you just sort of piece things together. So that was one piece of advice, I think, is to a human being, I think, can grow by the stuff they take into their mind and their brain. I think, Dave, you're really into a lot of that kind of stuff. I can tell right. that. The other thought, which is kind of a whole nother conversation, I'm hearing a lot of shop owners talk about, I better be careful with my terminology. Anyways, <laughs> People that are overly sensitive, people that bring the drama, their personal drama to work and all that kind of stuff. Because I was thinking about your term, you know, pace, assertiveness, energy. I wrote down a, a couple of notes here. I'm thinking another thing that's not being trained or not being taught, not being parented, um, is this ability to, to be professional and leave your personal needs or your personal issues aside for the moment to serve. I'm not suggesting that you don't get help. I'm not suggesting that... You, You push those feelings down and suggest we go seek help and and all that kind of stuff. I think a lot of people today, younger people, and when I say younger, I'm watching 40-year-olds bringing drama to work where it's kind of like, you know, troubles I had with my gas jockeys in the 90s. I'm watching shops have with with 40-year-old technicians today because there's this this piece about not learning how to deal with the challenges of life, with stress, with relationship issues, with financial issues, with health issues and stuff like that. And there's a skill, and I don't know how we would teach that and and maybe coaching and that kind of stuff. But that's another area I think that we need when we interview for people is listening for clues of their maturity level and dealing with that kind of stuff. Just a quick example of of a gas jockey that I think Carm's heard this story before in another context. He had a troubled life. Troubled parents split up. He had multiple parents and married other parents and, you know, a lot of drama. And the kid would bring that stuff to work. He was a good kid, a good attitude. The other staff liked him. The techs liked him. But they were getting fed up with him. And I sat him down one day and I said, do you feel safe when you're working here? I said, psychologically and physically safe when you're working here. He said, oh, yeah, this is the best part of my day is here. I said, do you know that you're about to jeopardize that? What do you mean? I said, have you noticed this technician grumbling at you? And, well, yeah, they're kind of gone. I said, you're bringing your crap to work. I said, can we work at you leaving that somewhere else? I know it's hard, buddy. I know. I said, but can you leave that at home and bring it? Because this is the safest place in your life. And he got it. He got it. He learned how to leave that stuff out and bring his best to that day because it was the best place for him. 
I'm not talking about this not being a two-way street. We were giving him a two-way street. Again, this is a huge topic, but I'd love to help young people with that as well, right? Or find help for young people with that as well. What you said there, Murray, is so powerful. To me, I call that what's called the a true father's heart. You have compassion for that person. You're not you're not in judgment or resistance because of their behavior. You're seeing the true person, the authentic person that person is. I was at a shop in Bellevue years ago, and Mike, the owner, when he would hire somebody, he would give them a brown paper bag. He told me that. And I said, well, what's the brown paper bag for? And he goes, because what I tell him is that, okay, when you come to work, I just take all your home life and you put it in the brown paper bag, you seal it up, and you can't open that bag up until you leave. And at the end of the day, you open that bag up and you pull out your family stuff and you put all the work crap in there. Don't take that home. And you leave your work stuff at work. And he was trying to create a work-life balance. But anyway, it's the, the brown paper bag methodology. And I just remembered that because it gave the person a tangible tool. And I said, well, how did that work for you? He goes, when I implemented that, it was awesome. It was like almost an instant overnight. The positivity in my environment went through the roof. It was just huge. I want to jump in here and talk about a couple of things. Number one, we did an episode with uh, Steve DeJoya, he's an author in the customer service side of hospitality. And the big takeaway that I had, and you got to re- listen to it, it's, it's episode 813. You know, we always talk about let's find people for our counters from the hospitality industry. And so I had him on to kind of learn a little bit about why we like people from there. But I also, he sent me a 99-step systematized process for servers at high-end restaurants. And I was blown away by the greeting, the cocktail list, setting expectations for the dinner, appetizers, cocktails. These were required so that you were gaining the relationship and teasing, if you will, the customer and looking to have them have the greatest experience in the world, bottled water, tap water, the whole thing. When the busboy comes over, it's systematized. When you get served from these high-end restaurants, it's by the book. And that's why they're so successful. And I go back to the question that I, I raised just a little bit ago, and that was the systematizing of what we do under certain circumstances. And then finally, in learning anything new, say, for example, you wanted to learn how to pitch horseshoes better or paint landscapes better, and you decided to invest in someone to teach you how to do that. And the amazing part, think of our service advisors at our counters, the amazing part is to say, wow, I can't believe it. I've been yinging and I should have yanged. And I'm smiling, but the wrong way, the wrong tones, the wrong time. And all of these are so important to put the word professional in that title. You know, most shop owners, they do hire advisor coaches, but it's a kind of reverse process. The advisor coaches they hire actually pay the shop. Those advisor coaches are called customers. Here, here's the counter. Here, you just learn as you go. The customer will coach you along the way. Yeah, real life role playing is what that is. Yeah, exactly. Hey, look at I want to get ready for last last word here, last call. But Clint, there was something that you brought to us as a talking point about eliminating certain offerings that maybe be our overkill at the counter. Could you bring that up? Yeah. So you know, the, the title of today's uh, episode, right, is. Uh, 
service advisor overload. And uh, we've got a whole list that we, of course, didn't touch today. But this one, I think, is key. Eliminating diversity overkill. In our industry and in many industries, we will bring in different offerings to diversify our products and services for our customer, which itself is fantastic. That's great. The challenge is, is that you can overwhelm your service advisors to a point beyond frustration, but actually to a point where you diminish or reduce or destroy profitability and efficiency across the board in the shop. And, and so my call to the listeners here is, is there something that you have brought in that you're really not tooled for? Is there something you've brought in that you have not trained on continually? Reevaluate your offerings. And, and I hate to use the, the term stay in your lane, but I can tell you, as somebody who's been an advisor for years and years, we brought in a particular process that was a large investment and it took quite a bit of technical training and it was a one weekend training process. And this is how you do the thing in the shop to make more money on this specific brand of vehicle. And then crickets. Nobody mm-hmm. answered questions. Well, how do we do that? Well, how do you sell that? Where's the margins? And there's a lot of questions and it really ended up being a huge frustration. Mm-hmm. And now you've got no answers. And so we end up MacGyvering this process. And at the end of the day, it takes me 10 times as long to get through this repair than it does to get through what we're good at. And so stick with what you're good at and don't burn your advisors out. If you're a gas only shop and you want to try diesels, but you don't have the tools, the training and the technology, it's not, it's not time yet because your, your advisor is the front man and he's got to be the one apologizing to the client over and over again for delays, misdiagnoses, yeah. comebacks. You're not ready for that. Don't burn out your very, very valuable advisor by trying to diversify beyond what you can handle. That's a good word. Good stuff, Clint. Thank you. Hey, Clint, someone asked about the recommendations for AI software. I'm not sure if you're willing to give it up or we could put it in the show notes. I use a product called Fireflies.ai, and uh, it actually works uh, with all of all the Zoom recordings that I use. Now, there are other phone services that you can you can explore, and I'll leave those as neutral as possible because I don't have all the answers. But if you've got somebody that's recording your calls and that's all they're doing, look deeper. Go deeper because there are companies out there that are doing this, and it is available and it helps you as an owner to critique the uh, phone call, right? That KPI, that that tangible intangible, as well as it'll help your coach uh, critique the uh, phone calls, the sales calls, and the interactions that they're having with your clients. Murray, any last word, my friend? Well, when Clint started talking about staying in your lane, he, he actually got me almost trembling again because this, this conversation <laughs> brings back memories of my own uh, and then memories of coaching people. So, you know, being a gas station guy, we had the car wash, the convenience store, the pumps and then the bays. And, and there used to be a model where that kind of all worked. And I worked terribly hard for 12 years to separate the bays out of that, even though they were on the same property. I'm pretty proud of where we ended up. But I wanted to just echo what Clint said in a different bit of a different angle. Okay. So we have shops that are not making enough money on service and repair. So then they bring in U-Haul rentals. Mm-hmm. They bring in car sales. They might bring in car rentals. I know of a guy at his service station, this is in the 2000s, who sold fried chicken at lunch. And the same <laughs> technician who worked on cars changed gloves and fried the chicken for the convenience store. Okay, now that's an extreme, but I mean, wow. that's true. Like, like, so the idea is, is understand your profitability of each of your departments. Right. If yes. you have additional things like that, because I see it all masked. Uh, your accountants are lumping 
all sales together, all cost of goods together. You have no idea whether you made money on chicken, brakes, tires, U-Haul, car <laughs> rental. And so guys, please, I know you're doing it to survive. Those of you that are listening to this because you think you need to it, but watching advisors dealing with U-Haul sales, you know, with car sales and stuff like that while they're trying to answer the phone out of the stuff just breaks, breaks my heart. And, yeah, and so bingo. please learn how to make more money on the stuff you're good at. <clears throat> and there's so many resources here. Carm's got resources for you guys. Um, that would be my closing comments. You can do it, guys. I'm going to give this to you. Episode 731. It came out in April of 22 with a great guy, Stan Stokes. It's called The New Frontier of Call Conversion Rates. And that is where it's AI that's listening to the calls and it's pulling KPIs opportunities out of it and then serving it back up to the client for missed opportunities. You know, high fives, low fives, but it's there. And uh, you're right, Clint, you got to listen to the calls. But if you can get a computer to do it and they do it really well, uh, then it's another service someone pays for. The, the client pays for it and then sends the, the data to you. And then you as a coach, you as an owner, uh, a mentor, help move move the opportunity around into the right avenue, not the wrong. David, I'll give you the last word. You know, as we talk about service advisor overload, as we teed up that last episode, as I read that list that I had created <laughs> of all the things, I was actually stressed after that. And I got to thinking, why was I stressed? You used to do that, Dave. And I got to thinking, yeah, but you know what? I slowly grew into an overload. And so many times we'll just do this. Okay, we're just going to add that. We're just going to add that diversity of products. That we do. And what happens is, is it doesn't happen overnight. What I would ask advisors and shop owners is there's a problem in your business and you don't see it. And the, the problem is, is that you don't see it. Like Clint said, get yourself a coach, an accountability mm -hmm. coach. That yeah. might be, you might have an advisor coach. You might have a financial management coach. You might be in a peer group type environment, get a coach. But of all the coaches you get, the one coach you should always get is a thinking coach. And I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about here. Do you have a life coach, a counselor, a pastor? And there is nothing wrong with needing emotional coaching. But right mm -hmm. now, what I'm seeing, the constraints that are in businesses right now and shops right now have more to do with emotional intelligence than they do with the how to approve a mechanism, yep. you know, because they don't charge enough. That's an emotional issue, not go set it in your shop, your, your software. When you get emotional intelligence, you will take your business to new heights you've never done before. So when you get a coach, make sure you get a life coach that's in the mix of that. It doesn't have to be the same person. Get a blend, get different people looking at your blind spots. Guys, this was great. Always love hanging out with you three. Dave Shadeen from CompuTrack Automotive Management Systems Coaching Consultant. They're all coaches and consultants. Clint White from uh, Coaching with Integrity, Service Advisor Coach. Great guy. Uh, I know him really well. He's a passionate man. And my friend from Canada, man, Murray, um, I didn't know they still use smoke signals up there, but that's uh, I just learned that. <laughs> I was reaching over for a cigar, a, a cigar so I could, send, I could send you a signal, Clint. <laughs> RPM training. Thank you guys so much. This was a, just a great episode, and I, I know it will help the industry. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Great, Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.